Our featured song for this episode was written by Jacques Gordon, a member of Lift Street, a folk rock band I played with for about five years. His latest, Don't Make Me Want You, with music by Jim Del Orifice, is his original that he asked you to sing for him. What process did you go through, if any, to make it your own? Oh, I've never been asked to sing anyone else's work before. Um, I don't consider myself to be a singer. Uh, I consider myself to be a songwriter who sings and produces my own original material, sort of out of necessity. After listening to his song, I I told him I really wanted to like tweak tweak the words, the lyrics before recording it, but he didn't want me to. He wanted me to sing it as is. So. Um, Making it my own, I sang it in this kind of lighthearted way, like, well... <laughs> but you, you characterized it with me once. You said it, it it's kind of a torch song, sung by someone feeling hurt and rejected. Well, yep. The lyrics explicitly state, You loved me, and you left me, and you left me wanting more. So, yeah, it's a torch song. But I, I couldn't personally identify with the hook and title, Please Don't Make Me Want You, because I would never ask anyone to take responsibility for my feelings. I can't make anybody do anything or feel anything. That didn't make much sense for me. So, um, so singing it like a teasing prostitute in sleazy 1930s burlesque bar, I thought, was a good fit for the song. Well, you, you nailed it. I mean, I think I think pain and rejection are prime motivation for most great art, perhaps more so than joy and fairy dust. Uh, what do you think about that? I think most creative process begins with pouring out pain and suffering on a page. I think, you know, even freeform writing that people do therapeutically, it's a good release, but... <clears throat> I think great art is, is, is the inspiration of transformation from pain and suffering into greater realization and, um, and a bigger picture, a bigger, a bigger message. People are inspired to put things down on paper, to paint a great picture, to sing a song, to grab a guitar, sit down at the keyboard when they're at their lowest point sometimes to help express and kind of cleanse their soul of some of those problems. So I, that, that's my, my view. I, do you agree that, that that's a possibility? A lot of times I don't have an idea of why I'm writing. I just write and as it comes out, then I read it back and I understand myself in a way I couldn't just ruminating inside. So it kind of begins where I pour out my pain and suffering or confusion or hurt or unrealistic expectations out on paper and then I begin to shape it and carve it and it actually becomes an excavation into greater understanding and it's not done until it's beautiful and enlightening to me. We've just begun the excavation of your listening experience. Welcome to Memories in the Key of Life. Kuda Patawita. Thank you.
are here to reflect, dissect, inspect, and give respect to all the moments of joy, frustration, and humor we confront every day. And we do it with a song, and if you're lucky, a bit of poetry. I'm David. And I'm Alexandra. And despite your personal reluctance, Alexandra, to buy into its lyrical premise, your rendition put this song for me into a smoky backstreet nightclub from the late 30s, a torch singer spotlighted at the keyboard. Dance 
you love me and you left me and you left me wanting more well that's okay i understand you're not really making any long-term plans so have yourself a good time Keep your secret, but baby, please, please, if I catch your eye, just walk on by, don't stop and talk to me, just keep your beautiful self to yourself, don't you dare smile at me. I've always found that life is full of little surprises, moments that kind of startle, that make you go, huh? Small, revealing little moments, a, a memory in the key of life, if you will. One of those memories was on a Sunday with Uncle Joe. I don't think there's anybody in our small family that likes my great Uncle Joe. He's nasty, uncivil, and a real boor. He's secretive and bores us with the same story about his childhood in Russia. He spends a lot of time in the bathroom with digestive problems none of us dares contemplate. He owns and lives in an ancient rooming house in one of the unfashionable Philadelphia neighborhoods. You have to at least take him shopping once a week, my mother said in a phone call a couple of years ago from her Miami condo. So, reluctantly, every week I would pick up Uncle Joe and his dog Sammy and take them to the supermarket. Sammy, a questionable breed, was the only thing between Uncle Joe and the grave. Sammy died a year ago. But apparently Uncle Joe had found another way to ease his loneliness. It was a, a Sunday morning. I happened to be in the neighborhood and decided to check on him and... I opened the front door and walked through the dusty hall to his apartment and let myself in. Uncle Joe, I called. Nothing. He didn't usually sleep late. Uh, I was a little worried and I walked toward the open bedroom door. On the shabby bed in the shabby little room lay my uncle on his back snoring softly without his teeth, his expression relaxed and more peaceful than I could ever recall, next to him, in bra and panties, was a young woman. She looked to be in her early twenties, slim, firm body, and sandy blonde hair that was must-over plain but pleasant features. She stretched and moved on the bed and turned and looked at me. I'm sure my jaw was hanging open. This was certainly an improvement over Sammy, but my 85-year-old uncle in bed with, with, hi, she said without embarrassment, getting off the bed and pulling on a pair of jeans and a shirt. My uncle continued snoring. Hi, I managed to say, 
intent on remaining as cool and unembarrassed as she was. Uh, would, would you like a, a cup of coffee, I asked. Sure. She reached for a pack of Newports on the bureau. In the kitchen, she smoked nervously. Her name was Louise, and she was from around the neighborhood. Are you related to Joe? she asked. It seemed odd not to hear him called Uncle Joe. Uh, uh, nephew, uh, sort of, I, I guess, grandnephew. Uh, you're a friend of his, uh, I asked. Yeah, I come in and see him once in a while. He's a, a nice guy, kind of alone, you know. Yeah, I, I guess he is. As I listened to him snoring in the bedroom next to the kitchen, I wouldn't contemplate the thought that Louise came to see him just to share his company. Joe's a real nice guy, she went on. Kind of tough when you get old like that. Nobody to take care of you. He, he don't feel so good sometimes, but he's always nice to me. I couldn't picture Uncle Joe being nice to anyone. Uh, do you see him often? I asked. About once a week, I guess. I stared at her, not knowing what to say next. I, I better get going, she said, and stood up, grabbed her cigarettes, and walked out of the kitchen and into the bedroom. I could hear my uncle getting up. Morning, Joe. My uncle grumbled in reply. I gotta go now. You gonna be all right? He didn't hear her. You gonna be all right, Joe? I gotta go now, she repeated louder. Yeah, yeah, I'll be all right. Thanks a lot, Louise, he said. I heard her leave. He shuffled out of the bedroom in his pajamas and into the kitchen on his way to the bathroom, stopping when he saw me sitting at the table. We looked at each other for two or three seconds. What's the matter? He growled through toothless gums defensively. Ain't you never seen a goyle before? No, I, uh, uh, I was just... What? What's the matter with you? Why don't you speak up? Uh, uh, she, she's a very nice girl, Uncle Joe. Of course she's a nice girl, he snapped. She's my girlfriend. I had to pursue this. Do you have uh, others? I asked. What the hell do you care? You're a married man. You shouldn't even be looking at something like that. Yeah, I got others. Lots. How did you meet her? I timidly ventured. What's it to you, he said. I just talked to her. You gotta know how to talk to them. I got sex appeal. That's why you ain't got no sex appeal. He grumbled at me as he walked off to the bathroom. I sat there, stunned. My middle-aged ego quivering. Could it be Louise didn't get paid for her visits? An attractive 20-something girl spending weekly night sessions with my nasty Uncle Joe because she wanted to? As I walked out of the house, I couldn't put myself together. Questions flew through my mind, scattering my thoughts like the gray pigeons flapping out of my way as I walked to the car. The rooming house has been sold and he sits in his apartment waiting for settlement. Once he told me he wanted to go to Florida if he ever sold the house. There were lots of pretty girls down there, he said, but nobody in my family wants him down there with them. I saw Louise once more outside his house, and she asked me to let her know where they're finally going to put him. She said she'd like to visit him. 
Whatever questions I had about her and Uncle Joe still made my ego smolder. Sure, there were questions, but for Uncle Joe, Louise was an answer. Standing alone on the sidewalk, I felt sad that all I'd known was my Uncle Joe, while she had known a man called Joe. Louise may well have been the only one who saw the man in Joe. I remember him as a nasty racist, a first-class bigot who had no filter and used the N-word freely. Uh, when Joe died, the only people at his funeral were me, my sister, and my father. But karma has a way of coming back for revenge because the two grave diggers shoveling dirt onto Joe's casket were black. <laughs> Neither could understand why the three of us stood there smiling as they began filling his grave. And speaking of digging, I like to dig way back for obscure pieces of music. As a matter of fact, my most recent find took me back to the mid-15th century. An ancient, long-forgotten language which shaped the culture of the nomadic empire of the Turco-Magyar Croats in 1463. I discovered one of their ancient texts, which near as I can tell, was recited with the accompaniment of primitive percussion. After a year of research, I'm pretty sure it sounded something like this. Shana Bopi Natunga Lama Pakadudu Yami Laba Upana Mako I'll have a coffee too. Muni Danami Madinga Zuma Alama Watonga It's called Scatapat. And if you'd like to hear more of that ancient groove, it will be our featured piece of poetic rant on our next podcast, during which we will also antagonize, protagonize about lyrical meanings, implications, complications, explanations, justifications, and extrapolations that will entice you, seduce you, and set you ablaze. And if our podcast turns you on, let us know. Drop us a line at memories in the key of life, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. And if it does nothing for you, eh, so be it. All that matters is that we love what we're doing, how we're doing it, and we're having fun. So if you are too, visit again, and don't forget your memories are in the key of life. Muni Danami Matinga Zuma Alamoa Tonga Lawani Pesoki Mana Kaka I can sing a songa Duba Nono Kana Tono Mokasina Kaka Franca Sempa Lango Uki You can play the conga Biga Sana Manu Kanoka Jam for one or two